Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. Grace Church, we've been in a series called God Knows, and the whole idea of this series has been that there are times in your life where you're facing extreme difficulties and troubles. In fact, Jesus himself said that in this world you will have trouble. But he didn't leave it at that. He said, but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. And so how many of you know that, that, uh, that there's times in life, there's seasons that we're going to go through where nobody can really understand you? Maybe you even go to your family and you go to your friends and you go to the people that, that, uh, you know, that, that love you and should understand you more than anybody else. But when you begin to open your mouth and express how it is that you feel and the trouble and the turmoil that you're facing, you get kind of a blank stare back. Or, or maybe, come on, how many of you here have ever gotten a pad answer back where, where they just kind of... You know, they just say something off the cuff because they really don't know what to say. And I'm just saying this, that there are times when nobody else understands what it is that you're going through, but God always knows. Amen? God always understands. The Bible says that He is with you. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He says this, that I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. Come on, how many of you know that the Creator knows the creation better than anybody? Come on, he knows your deepest intricacies. He knows your deepest pains. He knows the things that you're passionate about. He knows every single thing that there is to know about you. And I'm just so grateful today that we serve a God that knows and understands. I want to just take a moment um, here today and I want to, I want to uh, welcome everybody here. How many of you here for the first time? This is your first time at Grace Church. Go ahead and slip a hand in the air. Come on, let's put our hands together right here. Amen. So good. I also just want to take a moment and welcome our online church. We've got people from around the United States and around the world that every single weekend you tune in and you're faithful. And it's just so cool that a small church in Rupert, Idaho of all places come on, can reach the nations. And we want you to know this, that you're just as much a part of our church as anybody that is here. Thank you for your faithfulness. Continue uh, uh, to pray for us as we continue to pray for you. And we just hope that the messages and the worship that you experience each and every week will enable you and equip you to go out and to reach your community for Jesus Christ. Come on, church. Let's uh, welcome our online church. Let them know how much you appreciate them. All right, so we are in this series called God Knows, and today I want to title my message, Needs. How many of you know that we all have needs, right? And, um, and, and everybody around you has needs, and you have needs, and so that's going to be the title of our message. We're going to be spending a lot of time today in the book of Philippians. Come on, Paul wrote the book of Philippians to the church that was at Philippi. And, um, and Philippians is a, is a book that Christians are known of to, to quote quite often because there's 
just some powerful uh, uh, scriptures that are that are just you know they just move you. And so in Philippians one, I want to I want to kind of lay the groundwork here. Paul is writing the book of Philippians to the Philippian church while he's in prison. Just so I know that you're listening, somebody say prison. prison. How many of you know that Paul was in prison several times, not just one time? Come on, sometimes when he was in prison, he was in the deepest, darkest dungeons of the prison. Other times he was, he was on house arrest, what we would call house arrest. Anybody here know what house arrest is? Maybe you've been on house arrest yourself, Jeremy. No. <laughs> He's the first one to raise his hand. So, uh, <laughs> so we're in good company here today, right? And, um, and so Paul is writing this letter to the Philippian church from prison. And this is how he starts out Philippians chapter 1. I don't have it up here, just, just trust me. Or you can turn your Bible to it. He, he starts with Philippians chapter 1. He says this, full of joy, I write to you. Now listen, this is what we would call counterintuitive. Or for some of us, we would say that doesn't really make a lot of sense. Paul's in prison but he writes to them full of joy. This is like a person that has just lost their job and they're like, listen, I trust the Lord will provide. This is like the person that has just now, just recently been diagnosed with cancer and they say, you know what? I have complete peace over my health and over my situation and my life. You see, it's counterintuitive to the, to the world. It doesn't make sense to the world But how many of you know that those that know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, it makes all the sense in the world, amen? And so so Paul here is in prison, and he says this, full of joy, I write to you. Now I want to fast forward to the book of Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to pick it up right around verse 10. This is almost a follow-up letter. Paul's in prison. It's it's almost a follow-up letter to the previous one. And he is basically saying, thank you for the care that I have received from you. To the, and he's saying this to the Philippian church. The Philippian church had cared for Paul, not only in his missionary journeys, but also while he was in prison. And so he's thanking them. How many of you know it's good to thank people that help you out, right? So he's thanking them for the care that he has received. And I'm going to pick it up at verse 10. It says, this is Paul writing this, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Now, I think this is interesting. In one part of the sentence, Paul is saying, thank you for your gift. Thanks for taking care of me. But he puts in there, at last. It's almost like Paul is saying, it's about time that, you, that, you've, that you've renewed your concern for me. I've been waiting here in prison, and at last, or finally... Come on, I've received what it is that I need from you. He said, thank you. Uh, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. So he's got some understanding there. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content in whatever the circumstance. I know what it is to be in need, Paul says, And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every situation. Listen, Paul's addressing something here. He's like, listen, I wasn't born this way. 
I wasn't born completely content and just able just to roll through the punches. He said, but as I've matured, somebody say maturity. I want you to know, church, that God is calling you to grow up in him, amen? Like, like if you've been serving the Lord for a year, you should be more mature in the Lord a year, you know, a year later than you were a year prior, amen? If you've been serving and walking with God for 10 years, then listen, the things that, that messed with you before you knew Jesus Christ, they shouldn't have such a stronghold on your life anymore, amen? Because we're talking about maturity, we're talking about strength, we're talking about power, we're, we're talking about God's might. It's not me, but it's him in me. It's Christ through me, the hope of salvation, right? And so Paul's like, listen, I haven't always been this way, but I've learned as I've matured to be content. Paul's almost saying here, I can almost read into it, I'm not putting words in his mouth, but, but it, could, it, could, it could be like Paul is saying that I've learned that complaining will get you nowhere but in a constant state of loneliness. Come on, can I just talk to you just for a second from my heart to your heart? If you have a bend to be a complainer, not, not saying that you, listen, everybody complains every once in a while. I complain. My wife is like, really? You, you, you're, really? <laughs> so we all have the tendency to complain, but you live if you live in a state of being a complainer, you're going to look up one day and you're going to wonder why nobody else is around you. You're going to look up one day and, and, and wonder, come on, where has everybody gone? Right? Nobody likes, nobody desires to get on the team that has the title of complainer. Right? And Paul understood this. And, and he's like, listen, I, I, uh, I've learned to be content in every situation. He goes on to say, whether I've been well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength, right? This is one of the scriptures in, in Philippians that we quote all the time. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength, right? It's one thing to say it. It's another thing when you're in a place of need and want and desire, come on to live it and say, listen, I'm all right. You can go and deal with somebody else goes on to say in 14 yet it was good of you to share in my troubles moreover as you Philippians know in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel when I set out from Macedonia not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except only you so he's saying listen Galatia didn't help me out they didn't send me any money Ephesus didn't help me out. They didn't see. Laodicea didn't send me anything. There was only one church that helped me. There was one church that financed me during this time, and it was you. And so once again, we see a heart of gratitude here, right? In verse 16, for even when I was in Thessalonica, the church Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. Listen, he's saying, listen, I'm not writing you this. You know, sometimes people can thank you and they're manipulating you at the same time they're thanking you so that you can give them more money or more, whatever you need. It's like, listen, you've been real nice to them and then they come back to you at the moment of need again and they say, you know what, I remember when you did this to me. I just want to say thank you. And, and then, oh, by the way, I need some more. 
And so Paul is saying, listen, I'm not being nice to you. I'm not, my heart of gratitude, my attitude of gratitude is not because I need something else from you right now. He says, listen, for uh, uh, not that I desire your gifts, what I desire is that more be credited to your account. So listen, Paul is writing this saying, listen, my prayer is that God would see how you've treated me and God would bless you because of it. That God would give you more to your account. In verse 18, I've received, Paul had received full payment and have been more than enough and have had more than enough. I am amply supplied, he said. Now that I've received the gift from Epaphroditus, the gifts that you sent, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. Now listen, this is one of the most biggest scriptures that we quote in our Bible, certainly out of Philippians, verse 19, and my God will meet, or some versions say, will supply all of your needs according to his riches and his glory, according to his ability. You know what Paul's saying here is sometimes I don't always have what you need. And Paul is saying to the Philippian church that sometimes I can't give you everything that you that you need. Let me just ask you a question, church. Are you with me? Look, give me some eyeballs up here. Has somebody ever approached you and desired for you to give them what only God could give them? Come on, have, have they come to you to fill a need that only God could fill in that need? And so what, what they do to you is they come to you and you're always propping them up. You know what I mean? They're down until you prop them up. Come on, they need encouragement until you prop them up. Listen, you can give for a minute, but at the moment that you leave the situation, they're back down again. And so, so oftentimes, I know people all over this building right now, you're thinking, I know that person, or I know of this person, I know of that person. Not that we shouldn't be there for people, but I'm telling you what, you are not God. You can't do for people what it is that they need from God and God alone. You can point them in the right direction, but come on, every single time that they're having a hard day or a bad thought, they need to learn to go to Jesus Christ. Listen, there's no priests anymore, right? We don't go, you don't have to come to me. You can go right to the Father. You can come to me and I will pray for you and I will encourage you and I will give you instruction. I'll give you direction. I'll give you correction. But it's not my correction. I'll give you the word of God that is able, come on, to, to direct your steps in a way that you're going to step into the life that God has for you. But I can't save you. I can't, I can't heal you. Right? Then nobody else in this room can, but there's one, and his name is Jesus Christ, and he can do all things through him who gives you strength, amen? So listen, if you are one that continually needs to be propped up by another person, you've already missed it. You need to go to Jesus Christ himself. You need to go to Holy Spirit, which is the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead that lives and dwells in you. Come on, some of you pick up the phone before you even start a prayer. And it ought not be that way. This is a whole new direction I'm going. Nothing has to do with my notes. I'm telling you what, some of you, instead of praying to the Lord, you pick up the phone and call somebody when all you should be doing is going to Jesus 
And, and come on, he will show himself to you. He is a light unto my feet, a lamp unto my path. He will begin to show and direct what it is that we need when we need it. Woo! Amen. How many of you know that marriage is a great teacher? There's some things that you can only learn through marriage that nothing else will teach you. Anybody here been married 10 years or more? 10 years, come on, lift him up, nice and proud. 10 years, nice and thankful, Lord. I don't, I've been married 23 years, been together with my beautiful wife, Tina, for 24 years. And um, I, every day that I'm older now, you know, I've got more wisdom, I'm thankful that God gave my wife a healthy dose of patience um, because, <laughs> because there's no way we would be married if she hadn't had that patience from the Lord. And, and, um, but I've learned some things in this 23, 24 years of, of, uh, of living life with my best friend and my, uh, my soulmate, and she is that. And if you knew our story, you would think, how in the world could she be your soulmate when you look at the, at, the, at the start that you began? Because we started outside the church. We started not putting God in, not just first in our, in our relationship, but not putting God at all in our relationship. We, like in marriage counseling, premarital counseling, I will sit across, and the, I think they sometimes think I'm joking, but I'm not. Um, sometimes I'll sit across from the, the, the couple that we're, you know, trying to encourage and get ready for, for marriage. And I will say this very thing. I will say, listen, if you do things the exact opposite of how Tina and I did them, you're going to be just fine. Because we didn't, do, we didn't do one thing. We didn't get one thing right. Not one. We didn't, like, if there were ten things to get right, we got zero. But I'm telling you what, God knew, come on, what it is that both of us needed. And it's just a beautiful story that, um, that we have not just had the privilege to hear about through somebody else's life, but it's a beautiful story that I and my wife have got to live out. And, um, and God's blessing is all around of us because of, of, uh, of the gift that we have in one another. And so, but marriage has taught me some things. There were some things that I learned about my wife after we were married that I never knew uh, whenever we were dating. Um, uh, anybody ever step into that? realm before it's like I didn't know this about you like everything has its place I didn't know that I live my life like any place should be good right Every, but but uh but my wife uh she's like no this goes there and when you're done with it it needs to return to this point and I'm like okay I I, I vacuumed the house the other day and I felt terrible I had to ask my wife where does this thing go because I know it's got a place and she said, follow me, and she took me into the place where the vacuum goes. Now listen, um, enough of that. Uh, so so uh, my wife also cares about the details. I'm not a real big detail person. I'm big picture, and she comes behind my big picture, and she tries to put out my fire by asking me questions, by asking me questions, well, what about this? Well, what about that? what about this, and what about that, and, and have you thought about this? And by the time I'm done, I'm completely discouraged because, <laughs> because I, realize, I realize that I really haven't thought of anything but the big picture. And so, 
Um, God has blessed me with one of those. And if you've been blessed with one of those, say amen just real quick. All right. I realized that we travel differently. Like, like when we first met, I had a Jeep, real nice Jeep. And my idea of traveling is if I, and I never really had a lot of money, but if I had enough money to get gas, I was fine. I would throw some clothes in a duffel bag, and we would just head out. We would just go. And I realized that wasn't going to work for Tina at all. Um, she wanted to make sure that we had the money to go, which is interesting, um, that we, that, that we that, you know what I mean, when we were going to leave, where we were going to gas up, and where we were going to eat at. Where we were, she wanted to know if we had a hotel booked. Interesting. Um, I just got to <laughs> see completely, completely different than 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 myself. And so I remember there were times when we were first married. There was a lot of frustration in our home. Anybody say Amen if that was you? A lot of frustration. Two lives coming together. Two complete opposite lives coming together. And I remember not even knowing what it is that she wanted or what she needed in frustration. I'd be like, what do you need from me? And she would respond something like this. I don't know, but I know I'm not getting it. I don't know what I, I, don't know what I need from you, but I know that I'm not getting what I need. And my point is this. How many of you know that it's hard to give some, somebody something that they don't even know what they need. And I'm telling you what, there are so many times in your own personal life, I'm not talking about Tina, I'm not talking about myself, but there are times in your life where you're feeling empty, where you're feeling like you, like something is missing, but if somebody was going to ask you, what do you need, you won't even know what you need. And so in those times, it's good to know that God knows exactly what it is that you need. Come on, can I get a good amen here today? Number one, if you're taking notes, which I hope you are, everybody got your notepad, come on, lift them up, your Bibles, lift them up, come on, let's be a note-taking church. Number one is this, when we come to Jesus, we can have unrealistic expectations. When we come to Jesus, we can have unrealistic expectations. One of those expectations that I hear a lot is that when I gave my heart to Jesus, I thought he was going to take my needs away. Or he was going to take my problems away. Have you ever met somebody like that? It's like, listen, I had this idea that everything was just going to get smooth and easy. And actually things got worse whenever I gave my heart to Jesus. I had some more things to, to kind of you know, deal with. And, and so one expectation is, is a wrong expectation is Jesus takes our needs away. Can I share with you a truth here today? That you have the same needs after Christ that you had before Christ. We all have a need to belong, right? We all have a, a need to, to find love, to both receive it and to express it. Come on, we all have a need, some higher than others, but we all have a need of approval. What changes is not the need, but the change is the means by which we get the need met. So, so the need doesn't change, but we, we change when we, when we serve Christ what changes is how we get those needs met. Number two is this. No need is a bad need. Or no need is considered bad. The only thing that, you know, the only thing that, if it's going to become a bad situation, it's how you meet the need is the bad way in, in by which you meet it. So the means by which you meet the need, that can be bad. 
Come on, whether it's addiction, gossip, overeating, spending, sexuality. Listen, let's, let's, let's take a look at sexual addiction just real quick. So the Bible says that it's not good for man to be alone. So God created Eve and gave them the capacity to love one another, to come together as one, right? And so, so uh, intimacy or sexual intimacy is a need that is expressed the wrong way. And so you still have the need, but hopefully whenever you come to Jesus Christ, you can express it in a different way, the right way. Loneliness. How many of you know that loneliness, if left untreated, it can become lust, right? So when you try to meet a need through the wrong means, how many of you know you'll always be unsatisfied? See, see you can think that, man, if I could just have her, or if I could just have him, or if I could just live there, or if I could just do that, if I could just own this, or if I could buy that, then all of the sudden, this emptiness that I'm feeling is somehow going to be made whole, and, and I'm going to I'm gonna have this great sense of belonging and this great sense of satisfaction and success, but then you receive what it is that you think that you need only to, fear, uh, to figure out that, that you're still unsatisfied, that you're still not happy. Come on, am I speaking to anybody here today? This is why Paul says in verse 19, my God shall meet all of your needs, not according to your resources, not according to your ability, but according to his resources and his ability. The Bible says that, uh, actually, number three is this. God knows what we need, and he is able to supply it. How many of you have you ever heard the, the, the passage of Scripture that says that, uh, that, you know, my God will prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies? So, so this is what I want you to get your picture. You're surrounded by the enemy, right? you got enemies to the north, south, east, and west. You're surrounded by them. And this is what the Lord does. The Lord says, listen, do you see this table? I prepared it for you. It's got the finest meats and the finest cheeses. It's got all of the drink that you would, that you would want and desire. It's got hot bread, come on, with honey, butter, unlimited supply you don't have to wait for him to keep it's got chips and salsa on the table come on god began i'm so hungry i'm stinking ready for tacos already let's speed this up a little bit and so so here here he comes and 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 god says listen i prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemy and and what he's saying here is he's saying listen i want you to sit down and i want you to relax and i want you to in Joy. Come on, somebody say enjoy. enjoy. Somebody say enjoy. 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 The, the, the act of experiencing joy is to enjoy it. You are in joy. You're, it doesn't matter what's going on around you. The joy of the Lord will be my strength. Amen? Come on, let the joy of God begin to rise up in your life and in this place. It doesn't matter what's around you. He has prepared a table for you in the presence of of your enemies, a sit down and feast. We often try to remove the need. We often desire to move the problem. Our prayer becomes, man, God, take this away from me. I don't want to deal with this anymore. And this is the deal. If God was going to do that, then you would miss out on the lesson that he is trying to 
teach you. Come on, just like Paul, as he began to mature, he come to a place where he was not concerned with his own situation. He knew that my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory. Right? And so, so listen, our prayers should not be, God, take me from this situation or remove this situation from me. It's, Lord, strengthen me so that whenever I get on the other side of this situation, come on, I'm going to be more equipped. I'm going to be stronger. I'm going to be more mature, and my faith is going to be greater. You see, there's a huge problem when God's provision and his blessing is not enough. I want you to not think of anybody else right now. I want you to think of yourself. Because some of you have walked through this season in life where you were completely content with God providing His provision, come on, His love, His, His, you know, all the things that God was doing. And then all of a sudden, you take your eyes off of Him and you start putting it on the people around you. And you start thinking about how much somebody else has you you start thinking about how blessed somebody else is and they might not even know the lord but they've got more money in the bank that you have they've got a nicer house than you have they've got every toy that a person could want you know and desire and so all of a sudden you've been living in this place where god is enough and now you take your eyes off of jesus and you start putting them on your fellow man and now When God's provision and blessing is not enough, it leads to self-serving. It leads to pride. You're like, pride? How could it lead to pride? Because pride, like an element of pride, is whenever you come to a place of not thinking that you're better than you are, but you deserve more than what you have. And so when you say, God, what you have been given me is not enough, it's like a slap in God's face. You're just like, listen, it's not enough for me. And I'm telling you what, that that is a sense of pride. Come on, when you're set free from what you expect, you can receive what it is that you need. When you're set free from what you expect, you can receive what you need. Paul, here in Philippians, is speaking, listen now, i got to teach you for a second. He's speaking from an experience that happened years ago in the book of Acts. And so Paul is writing, he's in prison, he's writing this letter to the church at Philippi. But years prior to that, way before he had gone to, to, uh, to Macedonia, he was, he was in the book of Acts and he had these tremendous experiences of learning God's faithfulness. Somebody say he learned God, the faithfulness of God. So in Acts chapter 16 and verse 7, he says this. It says this, that when they came to the border of Mycenae, now Paul It's talking about Paul, they, Paul is in they, and then also Timothy is with Paul. So when they, when Paul and Timothy came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Now listen, Paul's whole whole, um, uh, uh, plan from the Lord was to take the gospel, right, to take the good news, Come on, to the, to the Gentile people. And so Paul's doing that. He's going out on a missionary journey. And, and, and so here Paul, he's taken this message, and he desires to take it to Asia, and he's blocked by Jesus himself. He wants to go to Mycenae, and he's blocked by Jesus himself. Come on, has God ever put you on a task, 
and then you, you muster up enough faith to start walking it out, only to find out that there's no open doors, but there's just closed doors, right? Come on, what kind of frustration does that, does that lead to? And so Paul's taking this message, and my question to you is this. Listen to me now. I want your eyeballs up here just real quick. What do you do when God says no? And you're on his plan. Like he's called you to do something. And, 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 and you're out trying to be as faithful as you can be. But God says, you know, I want to go to Asia. No. I want to go to Mycenae. No. You're doing what you feel like he's called you to do, but he's just closing the door. What do you do when God says no? You see, Paul shows us that, we can, that there's something still to do, and it's called active waiting. Active waiting. What Paul didn't do is he didn't take his ball and go home and, and say, you're just not playing fair, so I'm just going to leave. I'm taking my ball, and I'm going home. Remember as a kid, you got the toy that everybody wants. Somebody does something that you don't like, and so you're like, fine, I'll just take it home with me. You're not riding my bicycle no more, right? Paul didn't do that. This is not how he treated the situation, but what he does is he actively waits. Come on, somebody here, you're waiting for a new job. You hate the job that you're currently in. You're praying for a new job. What active waiting is not is you quitting that job and waiting for God to open up another job. Don't do this. Please don't do this. Don't be that person where you quit and then God will, and now you're trusting God. No, to actively wait means that you still go to the job that you have that God has given you. Come on, you have a smile on your face. You, you, you don't treat the job like you've got one foot out the door and one foot in the door. No, you go to that workplace, you put a smile on your face, you do your job as a Christian as unto the Lord, which should be the most excellent one at the job, come on, of all people, because you're working for the Lord, not working for another man, and then you actively pray, and you actively wait that I know that God is doing something different, but until that difference comes, I'm going to keep doing what God has called me to do. Do you know, I'm getting a bunch of amens, but do you know how many Christian people that I, that I come into contact with that what they do is like, I just don't feel like I'm supposed to be here anymore, and they'll quit, and they're waiting for that next job, and that next job doesn't come, and it doesn't come, and it doesn't come, and it doesn't come. And then they're like, I hate you, God. Well, you shouldn't have left the place in the first place. <laughs> I'm glad we're only preaching one service today. <laughs> yeah, you're desiring a relationship Come on, any single people in the house? Single people in the house? Raise them up. I know we got more single people than that. It's okay to be single. You can be proud and single. So single people in the house, it's very possible, whether you're a man or you're a woman, to desire intimacy, to desire relationship, to desire to share your life with somebody, to get married and to have some children, right? Start a family, but let me just tell you what active waiting is not. Active waiting isn't moving in with some guy, you know what I mean, for a period of time to try to see if this is possibly the one. In fact, what we see often is people move in together, 
and they start acting like they're married and there's no covenant relationship between them and no covenant relationship between them and the Lord, and then automatically, you know, you've got one that might be praying and the other one might not even be a believer. Or the other one might, might believe, you know what I mean, maybe they're a Jehovah's Witness or maybe they're, you know, something different than what you are. And so you're just like, God, I, I just really hope you bless this. I just, I just hope you, and then all of a sudden, he doesn't bless it because you started messing around like you, were, like you were married in the first place when you weren't married in the first place. See, the idea, it, can, listen to me, listen. Uh, God is better than FarmersOnly.com. God is even better. Listen. God's even better than ChristianMingle.com. And when they come out with ChristianFarmers.com, which it's coming, I'm sure, God's going to be better than that. And so listen, God knows the desires of your heart. He knows what it is that you want. And so the idea is for you to have enough trust in Him, come on, to bring you to the right person. Come on, can I get a good amen here today? Amen. Touch your neighbor and say, I'm waiting on God. I didn't see very many touches, but that's okay. Okay, Acts chapter 16 and verse 8. Acts 16 and verse 8 continues on. The Bible said, so they passed by Mycenae and went down to Troas. Now listen, Troas was a port city. Troas was a city of transition. Troas had Asia on, on one side of it and Europe um, on the other side of it, Asia Minor and Europe on the other side. So people may have been asking Paul, what are we doing here? What are, we, what are you doing? And Paul's answer, just like sometimes our answer needs to be, I don't know what we're doing, but I trust God and his purpose for my life more than I trust my ability to plan my life. Come on, church, I hope that you really believe that. I hope you really come to a place where you trust God's purpose more than your plan. Like if, if your plan and God's purpose is, is on opposition, they're in opposition to one another, I hope that you will, you will at some point be, if you're not there already, come on, be like, listen, I'm going with God's plan. His plan is always better than, than, than mine. And so in this place of uncertainty, God speaks to Paul in this place. Now listen, this next passage of Scripture, it's, it's the hinge Scripture that everything that I'm talking to you about, it, it hinges on this. So you need to pay attention. It's verse 9, during the night. So Paul is in this place of uncertainty, in this place of transition. He doesn't know what God's doing. He's trying to figure out what God's doing. So at this place, God speaks to him. He says, during the night, Paul had a vision of a, of a man in Macedonia, standing and begging him. Now listen, Macedonia is a large region in Europe that Philippi is one of the key cities of Macedonia. 
So, so God is calling Paul to Macedonia. I'm giving you the answer before I ask the question. He's calling them to Macedonia so that the church can be started in Europe. There was no church in Europe. If there was, it wasn't, it wasn't but maybe a couple of people. And so here, Paul has this vision of a man begging, saying, come over, please, and help us. See, Paul is looking for an opportunity. He wants to go to, my, uh, uh, to Asia. He wants to go to Mycenae. He wants to do these things that he wants to do. He's looking for an opportunity, but God shows him a need. God shows him a need. God shows him somebody else's need. So Paul has needs, right? But God shows him somebody else's need. And so this is the, this is the idea, is that, um, that, that sometimes we limit ourselves by, uh, you know, by waiting. And, and how many things could we pass by, whether it be a job or a relationship, because it doesn't look exactly... I can just tell you this. If, if Tina and I, when we met one another, if we would have asked, you know, what is this... A perfect picture of what you think that your spouse is going to be like. I guarantee you hers, mine would be yes. Hers would be like probably not, you know. Um, but, uh, but I love that. Matt was saying, listen, get into something and then pray that God just begins to give you a passion, a passion for that. Come on, have you ever thought that you needed something but you didn't need it? I live in this realm. I've got two mountain bikes hanging on my wall that we used for one year. And every year since then, we've just continued to... Uh, We've just continued to, uh, you know, just let them hang on the wall. I had a boat that I had for six years, and, and basically I stored it for six years. I probably took it out about a, a half a dozen times. Come on, on the daily basis, every single day, every single day that I, that I get up, I think I need more Oreos. When the, when the truth is, is what I need is probably a little bit more water and exercise, Come on, if you're single and you want that intimacy and you're so excited about dating, you might embrace the first guy that, that comes along. I'm just encouraging you not to do that. When we live in this place of I need, I need, I need, I need, I need direction, I need intimacy. Come on, I need God to move, I need chill bumps, I need better, better music at church, I need, I need. Come on, Paul had needs, but God showed him somebody at that moment that had needs as well. So here Paul in prison is focusing on the needs of somebody else. How many of you think that Paul had his own needs? But he finds himself focusing on the needs of others. I want to encourage you today, instead of praying, I need, let's pray, God show me. God show me what you want to do. God, show me, you know, a hole that I can fill. God, show me who needs something. And I'm telling you this, that oftentimes when you begin to fill the needs of other people, you find what it is that you were looking for yourself. God, show me who I can give to. I want to encourage you that maybe the way to getting is through giving. Come on, you guys remember that old song? It's based off of a scripture. It's, give, and it will come back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Give, and it will come back to you. 
What does it say? When you give, give to the Lord. Come on, so maybe sometimes the things that you are desiring is going to come through your giving because if you give, it will come back to you. You give, it will come back to you. Come on, think about this. So Paul is writing to the church of Philippi and he is saying to them, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for giving. Thank you for caring for me. Thank you for your continued support. And then he says, because of this, my prayer is that my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. He's like thankful that they gave first and now he's the one that's bringing the encouragement of my God will supply all of your needs. Real quick, Acts 16 and verse 10. Paul sees the vision. This is after he receives the vision of the man in Macedonia. And the man is calling, please come help us. And then the Bible, see, you can read the Bible here. And if you're not paying attention, you can gloss over very important facts. So it says, Paul had seen the vision. And then it says, we... We got ready at once to leave for Macedonia. Now listen to this. Who wrote the book of Acts? No. Luke. Luke wrote the book of Acts. And so in the beginning of this passage of Scripture, it said they left and they went toward. So, so Luke is speaking of Paul and Timothy. They, not me. So Paul... And Timothy, they get to this place, they link up with Luke, and then all of a sudden, Luke is now part of the plan and the picture. You see this, it's one thing for a person to get a vision from God, for God to speak to you, and it's, tar- it's hard enough for you to muster up enough obedience and say, yes, I'll go, I'll do, I'll serve God, I trust you. Sometimes we don't even do, God speaks directly to us, and we don't go sometimes. Think about this. An innocent bystander that didn't get the, he didn't receive the vision himself, but he hears the plan through Paul. Now all of a sudden he says, okay, let's go. So I want to applaud the people that haven't received the vision. I want to applaud the people of this house. God has given me the vision of this house. And you are a part of his whole plan because you believe in the vision that God has given to me or else you just wouldn't be here. Amen? You believe that God has called us to reach this community, to love this community, to serve this community. You believe that God has called us beyond this community to go to the nations or else you wouldn't be getting behind the missions like like we are behind. We're going to the Dominican Republic again in December. We're probably going to go to Thailand in the middle of next year. Back to the Dominican Republic again next December. And we've got new people that are getting involved. Do you know why? Because you believe in the vision that God has given this body. Come on, to reach beyond the walls of this church. Come on, and to do our part, whatever that is. Come on. And so I love this. After Paul saw the vision... Luke says, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, including that God had called us, he's now saying us, to preach the gospel. 
Sometimes I'm out in town. I was at the fair. Just This happens a lot, but I was recently at the fair at the rodeo, and I bumped into somebody, and, and they said, hey, Pastor Travis, we've been coming to the church now for, for a year. And I'm like, oh, man, that's awesome. I love that. One of my first questions is, how do you like it? What's God doing in your life? And, and, uh, and then I always, I'm like, great opportunity, right? Great opportunity. I asked the question, I'm like, so you've been coming a year? Awesome, that's great. I said, where do you serve? Well, don't really serve. I said, how many people have you brought? Well, we haven't really brought a lot of people. Don't touch the giving at that point. Like, that, that's the wrong place to touch. Are you trusting God with your finances? Don't, I didn't even go there. But what's interesting is this is how... This is how a lot of these conversations will end. They will end, you know, we're part, hey, man, it's really good to see you. Awesome talking. Great. Sometimes in some shape or form of this next statement is what I get back. Hey, pastor, if you need anything, give me a call. (laughs) And I literally feel just like your laugh. I'm thinking, if I need anything... And my question is this, what in the world do you think we're trying to do here? I mean, really, what do you think as a church, what is the goal and the mission of the church? What are we trying to accomplish? Come on, reaching the lost, encouraging the saved, right? Sharing the gospel, serving God better and serving people better. If you need anything, come on, my Bible says that the harvest is ready, but the workers are few. Do I need anything? Come on, we live in a time and a, in a, in a, a, a culture where everybody is trying to figure out how to be divisive and separate and not walk in unity where the church is preaching unity. Do we need anything? We need every single person that calls themselves a saved person of Jesus Christ come on to find their place. He didn't didn't save you to sit. He didn't save you to just relax. He didn't save you for Sunday service. He didn't save you just to come and to be encouraged. He didn't save you, you know, for a little fellowship. He saved you so that he could activate the gifts and the talents that he's put within you, come on to move you to reach a people that so desperately need the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm so grateful for, I'm just going to call grandma. Last Sunday we had a powerful, I think it was last Sunday, was it last Sunday? Last Sunday, second service, we had a powerful service I'm sitting up here and she comes up and, 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 and she says, Pastor, I've got a word for the church. And I'm like, okay, let me create the space. She comes up and she gives this word and Adam and Megan were the first to come down. And so I'm like, I, I want to pray for them. And, and I'm just thinking it's like there's a lot of people praying for them, but it was just us. And I go to turn back to my seat. And I bump into people because the whole altar from that side to that side is filled with clusters of people 
that are just praying. You had husbands and wives praying. You had people praying for other people. You had singles that were up here praying. People were surrounded them. You had, you had little kids up here where people were surrounded and praying because one person, come on, used and stepped out in faith to use the gift that God had given that person. And we had a move of God in this house like I just have not seen in a very long time. And it was, it was authentic, and it was intimate, and it was powerful, and it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, uh, it, it wasn't man-made, it was God. Amen. And people responded, and there was powerful things that took place, and so do we need anything? Yes, we need you to be who God has called you to be in this church, in this community, come on, going forward, because there's a great work that needs to be done, amen, and it's bigger than one or five or ten. Come on, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take this whole church stepping in what God's called us to step in, and every other Christian church stepping in what God has called us to step in, amen, and then we will see the glory of the Lord begin to change this community, to change this state, come on, to change this nation and change the world, but we have to get in the game. We have to stand up and be counted. Amen? And it might be just an encouraging word. It doesn't have to look a certain way. Acts 16 11, I've got to continue this really quick. From Troas we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace. And the next day we went on to Neapolis. I'm just going to park right there for a second. God's taking you someplace. Sometimes there's going to be steps in between. It's like, no, no, he said I'm going there. He said I'm getting another job. Well, just like Matt was saying, he might take you over here, get some skills, and then take you back over here and get some skills, and then two years later, you arrive at the place of the promise. I'm just, that's a good word. I could preach on that whole thing all day. We got tacos to eat, though. From there, we traveled to Philippi. Philippi was the first church that was started in Europe. It was a Roman colony in the leading city of that district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. We stayed there several days. So they called to go. They go. They arrive. What do you do for several days? All Paul was going off of was a vision. I mean, do you start, do you start, uh, sir, were, were you? The man in my vision? I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, 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 sir, in the second row right there, were you the man in my vision? You kind of look like him. What do you do for several days when all you've, all you've left you know, towards is a dream? I had a vision. There was a man from Macedonia that was saying, please come and help us. Sir, were, were you the guy in my... Let me just say it like this. How many of you went with me to Cuba? How many of you went with me to the Dominican Republic? Okay, so check this out. Let's use the Dominican Republic real quick. You're in the front row. Everybody can see you. Stand up, please. When we arrived in the Dominican Republic, we had never met anybody. We didn't know what they looked like. All we had was a name. Could you imagine getting off the plane in the, in the DR, not knowing anybody? Not, I don't speak Spanish, do you? Oh, un poquito. Okay, so, so this is the deal. We go. We know that there's somebody there. Thank God this guy had a sign that said Pastor Travis in Grace Church. Thank God. But could you imagine going to different, hey, are you here to pick us up? Who are you? You know what I'm saying? And 
This has had to be what Paul felt. You can sit down. Verse 13, on the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river. This is a whole, this shows you that there wasn't a big church there because if there were 10 people there, they would have had a synagogue. And if you want to go and talk about the Lord and God and things like that, on the Sabbath, you go to the synagogue. They didn't have a synagogue there. On the Sabbath, they went outside to the city gate to the river where they expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and begged to speak to the, woman who, the women who had gathered there. So, so listen to this. Paul sees a vision of a man and he meets a woman. You see, God sometimes doesn't do it exactly like we think he's going to do it. It says, one of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. Can I just tell you this? I want to talk to the women just for a second. If it wasn't for the woman Lydia, there would be no church in Philippi. There would be no church in Europe. This is why I get so disturbed when people come up to me and say, well, Pastor Travis, I really love the word and I love the worship and I really feel like I could call this place home. I just love this church, but I'm going to have to defer because you allow women on the stage, and sometimes those women will address me. I'm a man, and no woman should ever address a man from the stage. And I'm like, sir, thank you kindly, but you would probably be better served someplace else. Um, have a great day. I know about two other churches that you would feel right at home. Come on, with your, with your thinking. This whole church was started, the church in, in Europe was started because a woman by the name of Lydia, she was a woman. We're always trying to put the women in the kitchen or with the children and not have anything to do with anything else. Not we, but the church. I'm just telling you this. There would be no... Come on, for the women. Let's put our hands together. The other thing that I wanted to share with you is some people see themselves small, but they are the missing piece that is going to do the big thing. And so if you're here sitting... I don't want you to feel bad because you're not involved, but just know this, that if you're sitting and you're not serving and you're not using, you may be the missing piece that is needed, come on, for this church to be more effective than we've ever been in the past. So the other thing that the Bible says is that she was a dealer in purple cloth. I don't have time to go through this, but people that dealt with purple back in the day were wealthy. You, purple was very expensive, so this woman had to have some capital, come on, to either purchase it or purchase the things to make it, the skill level, and all I'm telling you this, that people that dealt with purple, they sold the people that are rich and wealthy, and that means that that person that sold the people that were rich and wealthy, she was rich and wealthy as well. Let me just tell you this, that Lydia did not need money. What Lydia needed was a message, and Paul had the message. So Paul goes with the message. Lydia has the money. When you link up the message with the money, Paul needed money. He had the message. When you link up those two things, you've got some pretty powerful things that are going to take place. And this is how the church, come on, in Europe was started. It goes on to say, and I'm closing with this because I'm already over, and we've got Takis. She was a worshiper of God, the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. 
when she and the members of her household were baptized. You see, at the moment, hang with me just for another minute. At the moment that she is baptized, the very first thing that she does is think about somebody else. Do you see that? At the moment that she received the message, the Bible says that her family was baptized. And so what does she do? She receives All of a sudden, she's looking for somebody else to receive, her family to receive what she has just received. You see, the self-serving Christianity is not of God. What needs to take place is, God has been so good to me, who can I find to give it away to? This is what we see over, not just once, a hundred times, a thousand times in the Bible, where they receive and they give and they receive and they give and they fill needs and then they receive some more and they give. Oh, man. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house And she persuaded us. I want you to know this in closing, that God is looking for you to meet the needs of others. This whole message, the whole message is that sometimes when you take the focus off of your own life and you begin to serve and love others and try to fill needs of others, then that's the exact place that God is going to fulfill and give you the desire of your heart. Some people, this this is crazy how our culture is so different. Do you know what I hear all the time? I hear all the time, uh, man, if I just, if I win the lottery, then I'm going to build a church. Man, if I, if my business, you know what, I'm praying for my business to be successful, and then I'm going to go on missions trips, and I'm going to support missions. So in our culture, What we want is we want the proof before we do anything. We want the provision before we do anything. But this is completely counterculture to God's culture. God's culture is, listen, there's a need. Do something about it. Well, I don't have anything. Yeah, you do. You've got me. What what kind of a slap in the face when we say, I don't have? When the word of God is saying, my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. Come on, he owns a a cattle on a thousand hills. Come on, he's never in need of anything. He has everything. And so instead of waiting for the provision to come and then doing something, how about just stepping out and saying, listen, you can count on me. You need to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be there for you. Start feeling needs, and then all of a sudden you're going to wake up, and you're going to be like, Paul, listen, I'm not writing you because I'm in need. I'm writing you because I just want, I want more to be accredited to your account. You've been good to me. You know what? That gift that you gave Epaphroditus, whew, I've got more than enough. Don't worry about me, but I'm thinking about you. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. Services are Sundays at 845 and 11 a.m., as well as our Wednesday evening service at 630 p.m. 
You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.